I, I don't know. Right. This is, uh, we've reached the official time to begin the fire committee meeting at 9.45. So I will call this meeting to order. And agenda item number two, we need an approval for minutes from April 30, 2023. And that's not a misprint. It's been a while since we've had a fire department committee. And I'm looking forward to hearing from Chief. So can I get a motion? Approval, Mr. Chairman. Second. Any discussion? Hearing none, all in favor? Aye. Aye. Opposed? Abstained. Uh, no abstention. Thank you. All right. Item number three is public comments. Is anyone here that wants to do public comment before we get into the agenda items? Seeing none, we'll move on. Item number four is discussion and recommendation and on the genesis to rename Fire Station 1 in honor of the late Fire Chief Fred Teeter. And thank you, Mr. Chapman. Great attention. We're not renaming Fire Station One for someone else. It was already named for. We're simply renaming Fire Station One. It's a recommendation. Um, I can give a brief overview. And if we can break, thank you for bringing that up for me. Um, just prior to Chief Teeter passing, um, within probably weeks actually, the family had, had met with me and, and Chief Mixon to discuss the possibility of renaming Fire Station One fire station that he probably started in, grew up in, being in the old village where he lives after um, Chief Teeter. As you know, we have a process now for memorials and monuments um, passed by this council. And um, I went through the process. We made sure it was properly um, applied for. And we went before the historic commission about a month or so ago, and Chief Mix and I spoke. Um, they, it was well received with a unanimous um, vote to move it forward to the committees where we are now. So what we want, what we're going to ask, um, we was in planning committee, I'm sorry, we was in planning committee this morning where it has to go next at the historic commission, but because we're dealing with a retired fire chief um, and past a, a deceased fire chief, we thought it would be appropriate for it to come to this committee to talk about briefly. Chief, would you like to say anything before... Yes, sir. I appreciate it. Yeah, I think this is a, a very fitting opportunity for us as a as a town and a department to honor somebody that that really put his heart and soul not only to the fire department but also the town. I mean, even his retirement, he remained active. Uh, you know, he'd come by and see us all the time. He loved the Christmas parade, participated in that until you know last year when he rode in the fire truck with us. So, I think it's a great way, as you mentioned, Chief Richie. It's it's the station that that serves his house where he lived on Earthman for years. Um, and I think it's a great way to honor a great man. So I appreciate your work on it and, and the approval of a store commission and, and planning committee earlier and then hopefully this committee today. Thank you. And for the record, Chief Teeter served this town from 1975, started as a police officer, and then um, became, got into the fire services and retired in 2001. So you see he has a lifetime of serving this community. And um, just before he passed, which, you know, I did, I was able to sit down with him at his home and let him know we were going through this process. He didn't get to know that we were going to actually get it passed, but just knowing that we were going to bring this forward really brought some joy to him that day when I, whenever I was talking to him. So I'm proud to be able to bring this forward. I will tell you, um, if you look at the um, proof that we have here in front of you, I've been reached out to a company that specifically handles monuments for dedications. And this is the largest plaque they, they have. Um, spoke with a family who gave us some of the wording and how they would like to, for him to be remembered with our fire department. 
to uh, to help make sure the wording was appropriate and and to make sure that all customs and courtesies are handled properly as we move forward, hopefully to get us approved at council then actually have the ceremony. And you'll see on there, the patch is the old patch that he served under. And then the other logo is our new town logo. So we got the old and new on here. I will tell you that this monument, this memorial with all the mounting brackets out the door to us is going to be under $2,500. Um, I'm told once we get it approved, we're looking at about an eight-week turnaround. And once we get that, we can set up a time to actually uh, dedicate the fire station. So, sorry, going through the store commission, going through planning, I would still like, and please appropriate, Mr. Moore, a motion from our fire committee, if we have one, to move this forward to full council. I'm, I'm move for approval, Mr. Chairman. Would you like to I'll second. All right, I have a motion to second. Do we have any other further discussion or comments? Well, okay. my, my only comment is I had the privilege of serving from a time, for a time with Chief Teeter. And he was a great man, had nothing but the town's uh, interest at heart. So I think it's very uh, appropriate that we recognize him. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. I do have a, a yes, slight sir. comment on that last sentence on the, on the plaque. I'm wondering... It, it's a little awkward, uh, the, the remaining prepared, professional, and willing in service to our citizens. Uh, I'm wondering if maybe it should read, remaining prepared, professional, and willing to serve the citizens of the town of Mount Pleasant. It's just a, a little awkward with the willing in service. Mr. Bassett, we'll take that under advisement, and we'll have it reviewed, and see if that needs to be changed or words meant any better than it is. Thank you. Thank you. Bring that to our attention. Is really anything for you, ma'am? Okay. Do we have a motion and a second? All in favor? Aye. Aye. Opposed? The ayes have it. Thank you so much, Madam Chief. I appreciate your work, too, and yes, sir. us getting the family together on this. Um, next item is employees use of service. Chief Nixon. Well, uh, before you right now is uh, Captain Tim Hawk. Uh, he's been with us for 15 years, so I want to recognize him for that. Um, Captain Hawk is a very talented fellow. He does fire investigations and fire inspections part-time. His primary duty is on the truck um, as a captain and, and running those types of calls. But on his days off, he helps us with fire investigations and fire inspections. And he comes to us from the construction industry where he was a general contractor for a number of years. So his his knowledge in that field is, is integral in, in kind of weaving those two things together between investigations, inspections, building construction. So he does a wonderful job with that. Um, unfortunately, he's been on light duty with us for a couple of months uh, for him, but it's really good for us because he is so talented and versatile that we can throw any project at him and, and he handles it immediately. He comes up with great ideas, uh, ways to be more efficient. Uh, so it's been nice to have him. I know he's, he's working to get back on the truck and he will soon, but it's been really good to have him up there. Um, and also, I wanted to mention that his father-in-law, he comes from a legacy of, of, a, of the fire department here. His father-in-law, who unfortunately we lost in 2022, uh, was a long-time volunteer back when our volunteer culture was really, really strong, back when the volunteers actually responded to calls. Uh, so Captain Hawk comes from that lineage, and I just want to congratulate him for 15 years, hopefully 15 more. He's a great employee and, and a very talented individual. So Captain Hawk, congratulations. <laughs> Thank you. 
All right, next I'll bring up Battalion Chief Les Ballard. Well, sir, so Les comes to us from St. Andrews 20 years ago. Uh, this is his 20th year uh, recognition. Um, I had the pleasure of working on Les for a number of years on the truck. He, he's an incredibly intense person, and I say that in a, in a very flattering way because he is, he is always about what's right, what's going to get the best job done, um, and that's shown in our, our fire recruit school. We'll talk about that in a little bit for the department update. But uh, Chief Alec has really taken that by the horns, has helped us develop a recruit school that's, that's becoming regionally and state known for, for the effectiveness of it, and it's, it's been a, a really good thing. We'll talk about that. Um, but also, in these last few months, he's really helped us champion our mental health initiatives. Uh, about five years ago, we really tried to dig into mental health, especially for first responders and some of the things that they face on a daily basis. And in this past year, he's really helped us kind of revamp that, look for new programs, and, and he's always looking for ways to uh, bring personnel and different organizations in to help, our, to help our people, and he's done a wonderful job in that. So, Chief Alec, I appreciate 20 years. Uh, you're a wonderful employee, and I, I had the pleasure of working with you for that time, so congratulations. Yes, sir. Thank you. All right. That takes us to item number six. I asked Chief since we haven't had a uh, far, so we haven't had a far committee meeting um, in some time to give us an update on our projects, initiatives, and especially our apparatus. There's a lot of good work going on in our fire department. A lot of great training. Just a lot of great things going on. If you follow the social media page at all, you'll see that. But that's only if you follow it. That's why I want Chief to come in today and tell us what's going on with our fire department and then let us know if there's anything we can do for you, sir. So give sure. it to you from here. Yeah, and as, as Chairman Ritchie mentioned, we talked about just doing kind of a year-end uh, overview of what we're doing. Um, as I just mentioned, the recognition of Chief Ballard, uh, something that we really are proud of is our recruit school. Um, several years back, three years to be exact, we, we brought all the training for our recruits internal, really to get that culture um, instilling them from day one. And as you can see in the picture, this is actually at our training facility in the classroom. We have newly installed temporary classroom out there that, that allows us to not only do the classroom training, but also directly go out and do the, the hands-on portion as well. They're not having to drive to different locations. It's all contained. It's really helped us increase that efficiency and that turnaround time for all the classes out there. So wonderful facility. We'll continue to do work out there as part of our CIP. And then you'll see in the other picture, that's them just a few weeks ago in Columbia doing our flammable liquids and gas classes. Uh, we give them 27 weeks of very intense training, and they come out. Uh, I'll put them up against any recruit in, in the state or in the country, and they come out. Our instructors are incredible. So they come out with some, some really good classes and ready to hit that floor. And Chief Alec and his staff has been integral in helping us get that passed. Um, we graduate this class in January. We'll bring 13 people into the stations. Um, some of them will go into EMT class after that, but uh, very shortly we'll have them on the trucks and, and ready to respond, and, and they've all been doing really well. Uh, next item is the automatic aid. Just to give uh, a quick kind of overview and show that we're continuing to see that it's equitable on both sides. As you see, just as the city of Charleston, for example, um, we gave aid 123 times in the past six months, and we received aid 119. So it's, it's not one side on either, on either respect, whether we're giving aid or receiving aid. We continue to find benefit in training, benefit in, in purchasing as a group to reduce cost. 
and just the kind of that collective knowledge of working with their staff, their chiefs, their their line staff, and and it's it's going well. We 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 don't foresee going backwards with this. Um, as you know, our farms came on in January. It's been nice to have somebody in our backyard to train with, to share facilities, um, and it's been it's been a really good uh, initiative there on the automatic gate. Chief Mitchell, before yes, you go to your next slide on that, especially for um, my new committee member, would you just quickly explain automatic aid? Um, yeah. It's been a while since we've done this and, yeah. and why it's so important. And so you may already know, but I still want for your benefit to hear that. So please go ahead, Chief. So as, as most of you are aware, for a number of years, we, we shared in a mutual aid agreement, meaning that if we needed aid, if we needed additional resources, um, one of our battalion chiefs would have to call another battalion chief on the radio, request resources, that would get dispatched. Um, while very beneficial to have those resources coming, there is a delay. So with automatic aid, it, it happens automatically. The closest unit, regardless of jurisdiction, is picked up by the computer-aided dispatch with GPS, and those units are dispatched first and automatically with that. So we found that benefit of getting, getting those personnel those trucks rolling immediately when we do have those larger calls. Fortunately, most of these calls that you see are, are canceled en route, meaning that our trucks or their trucks get canceled before they even get into our jurisdiction. But just having them rolling from that initial dispatch uh, cuts that time down significantly and, and has the appropriate resources coming and the, the closest resources coming. And then I heard you also say it consolidates that training. So yes. you get together, everyone kind of knows what they're doing. It's seamless. No one has to, to figure out what's going on or how their truck's going to work. So. That's right. And for example, we're our, we have a pretty strong team of trench rescue in Mount Pleasant, not a specialty that many departments do. So we're able to share that knowledge and that training and there's things that other departments may specialize a little bit more intensively in than we do. So just sharing some of those specialty trainings as well, sharing facilities when we get uh, buildings that are, are slated for demo, we can share those across our, our jurisdictions. So, yes, training is a, is a big part of this as well. And, Chief, if I may ask to clarify for myself, so aid given, that's, that's the aid we received from the other agency? Or is it? I, sorry, I took out by just because it got a little, yeah. little, but that's aid given by Mount Pleasant and then aid received by Mount Pleasant. So the aid given okay. is what we're giving to the other jurisdiction. I mean, if you look at the numbers, it's pretty even. So it looks like it's a good, good give and take. Yes, sir, Mr. Shannon. Chief, I think this is one of the things that our fire department has done recently that has really made a difference for our citizens. Um, in my previous term, I had pushed for us doing this because in talking to Fire Chief, I guess Curia, for the city of Charleston, asking her what, what she thought about adding Charleston. We've been doing it with Sullivan's Island, but we hadn't had this relationship with Charleston and Isle of Palms and North Charleston. And I think it's a great thing for our citizens giving additional op options and, and the importance of having this aid available without asking. It comes and it can be turned off, but save time uh, can save lives. So I'm mm -hmm. so glad it's worked out the way I anticipated it would. But these numbers show how well it's been received by the other uh, municipalities. Thank you, Mr. Chapman. Um, and Chief, thank you. I didn't mean to wrap this up. It was so important everybody understood.
yes, sir. what exactly this was. He didn't know. It's just such a great force multiplier. You, you able to get staff and radiance. So thank you, sir. Yeah. Please continue. Uh, quick update on Fire Station 7. That's our station that sits on Bowman Road. Mm -hmm. uh, we've been in that station since 1971 when we originally leased it from the county. We've taken over ownership of the land and the building. Um, so we're working with the LDO architects. We're in the surveying and engineering phase. We've also done tours of other area fire stations that are newer that Leolio has worked on to, to gather ideas for our stations. And we also created a, a document of internal feedback, meaning that we've asked the people who actually work in these stations, hey, what would you like to see? What would you like to see different from even our newest station that we built uh, most recently? And getting that feedback. And we're working through that process now. Um, we're probably, worst case scenario, we're looking at 2026 to occupy it. But as you're aware, that's a small piece of land, and we have to work with our, our neighbors there and, and how we get in and in and out of the property. Uh, but it's going very smoothly. Over. It's been nice to work with, and uh, we got a good start on, on the teardown and expansion of the station. Okay. I want to talk a little about apparatus redesign. Um, we've always had very well-designed um, trucks. We've worked with this for a number of years, and our personnel have done a good job. Of, of specking those trucks out for our needs. But we also wanted to say, hey, is there, is there more places that we can go to make these trucks more efficient? And that's what our apparatus committee did. Um, they flew up to Wisconsin, worked with the design team there to really get these trucks as efficient as possible, having tools at, at point of exit from the truck. So if, if the backseat firefighter traditionally uses a set of tools, moving those tools over so they don't have to run around the truck multiple times to get what they need for the call. Um, and, and we've done a very good job with that. The team's done a very good job with that. I'm, I'm excited about this redesign. Um, even small tweaks, like we talked about saving time with the auto aid. Small tweaks in the truck, small tweaks in the apparatus, lowering the hose, uh, lowering the ladders, to where things are more functional, reducing injuries, um, can really save time and help us with that. So I'm excited about what they did. These two trucks you see here uh, will be here in April. Hopefully this time frame, so a brand new engine, a brand new ladder will be here in April. We ordered these originally in 2021, and we hope to have them in April as, as, as part of our new fleet. And then, kind of on that same uh, vein, talking about apparatus replacement, as you see that first truck there, ladder 509, uh, that is currently a reserve truck for us. As you remember, in April, y'all approved funding to buy a reserve, used reserve ladder truck. We're having a little bit of trouble getting that truck just because of the nature of new apparatus. The, the department that we're purchasing that vehicle from had a delay in their new vehicle, so that means they couldn't release that one as a used truck to us. But they have received their vehicle. That truck is now at the mechanic shop getting some repairs, and it'll go for upfit, painting, things of that nature. And we hope to get that in the same time frame as the two trucks that I just showed you around the spring of next year. So that'll be a, a reserve ladder truck for us, which will help our resiliency bring us up to, or keep us at those two reserve units. Uh, ladder 505 and Ladder 503, um, those are the ones I just showed you the picture of. Ordered in December of 2021, hopefully here in spring of 2024. Uh, we also have Ladder 503 on order, which is at the closest station here, uh, right over on Mathis Ferry. We ordered that in February of 23, and looking at a 26 time frame. And then we also have another engine on order that we anticipate ordering in January of 2024 with an arrival date of 2028. Now, if you see the order dates and the delivery dates are, are they're getting, the gap is growing. So we're, before COVID, we could say 12 to 15 months on a new engine. 
Now we're looking at 45 to 48 months on a new engine. So, and working with uh, Marcy and Mr. Demora, and, and then even with your assistance, we're adjusting when we order these in anticipation of those four-year build times. We're, we're hoping at some point that those times start to decrease, but we're, we're seeing still consistent increases in the build time. So I think there's some opportunity there to potentially bring you something where we order some trucks a little bit sooner as part of the budget process. But I really wanted to make this committee aware that the build times of 48 months are just unheard of in this industry. But we're trying to track it. We're trying to get ahead of it so that we stay within those life cycles of the vehicles that we purchase. And Chief, are you seeing this primarily a supply chain issue? Yes, sir. I, and, and I can't nail down if it's supply chain. I think um, I think a lot of it is just sheer volume. I think during COVID, you know, jurisdictions and towns and cities were being fiscally responsible, not sure where to go with their funding, didn't order trucks. And then as some of that stuff started to get released, the funding, I think everybody's jumped in. And then they anticipated longer bell time, so they're, they're ordering early. I think it's a function of supply chain, but also just sheer numbers of orders. And we do work exclusively with, with Pierce, but we've looked at all the manufacturers and they're all facing this. It's not just an issue with Pierce. I think Pierce actually does a really good job with estimating and keeping things on track. So it's industry-wide. It's not just our vendor. It's all vendors. Gotcha. And Chief, not to get ahead of you, but I know you and I talked about fleet services. You know, I know we have a new group that's handling our fleet now. Are you seeing that you're getting the maintenance, the repairs, and you're being prioritized because this is an emergency vehicle? Are you satisfied and get what you need there? Yes, sir. We have seen a, a very good improvement in our communication and, and the level of work um, and continuing to work with them. As a new vendor, they're, they're having to learn our units and get parts stocked for the specific units. But uh, Chief Barnes, our administrative chief, has a morning call with them every morning at 745 to talk about status of units, talk about what's coming up, what's going in for repair. So even that level of communication has improved to where we're talking to them daily. Um, to ensure that these units are, are serviced, but also repaired when, when needed. Thank you, Chief. Is there anything else for us today? That's it. That is the end of my uh, update. Happy to answer any questions about that. To my full committee. Yes, ma'am. Um, so I'm new to the fire committee. So <laughs> yes, ma'am. Welcome. Thank you so much for having me here. Um, I, I just have a question. So while Fire Station 7, is, it's not usable right now. Is that correct? Because it's currently in the expansion process or is it still being used as it, is, it is still active currently it is. okay yes, That's, that was my question because i wasn't sure what the alternative was if if, if there's going to be a time when you have to move out while the, the yes we will so in that station we, we run a squad we don't run any fire suppression units currently and that's one of the things that the expansion will give us the opportunity down the road to potentially put fire suppression there um you know, this is a 30, 40 year building. So we're, we're having some capacity issues now because the only thing that'll fit in the building is an SUV. So that SUV runs primary medical calls. It, it, it was started as a medical overlay district, meaning they just run pretty much medical calls. And I'll still staff our firefighters, they're firefighter trained, but that expansion will give us the capacity to put bigger units there and more personnel in the future. Um, and, and our plan now, unlike station four, where we had fire suppression there, where we needed um, temporary housing behind it. We're going to shift that unit to one of the current stations, allow them to continue to run those medical calls in that district when we do the rebuild of that of that station. But currently, it is it is still active. And then my second question is the two reserve, or what will soon be two reserve ladder trucks, where are those housed? So we do have some extra space in, in some of our stations. We try to keep them inside. We have extra day space. Um, and they, they do get used a good bit just because these trucks need consistent maintenance and, and repair. So 
a lot of times they're they're running in a front line status, but we do try to keep them inside, depending on where we have space at the moment. We keep them at one of the stations. I see, and then they're just called into use as if they're if they're needed for a fire suppression sort of event. Yeah, mainly uh, the reserve for us if the truck has to go in for an oil change and that type of preventive maintenance, or if something breaks on the unit, we have to take it to the shop. That's when we put that truck into service as a front line, so that there's no lag in the the amount of trucks that we have on the floor. Thank you. Yes, ma'am. Yes, sir. Is there a difference in, in the way that you staff uh, for an engine truck versus a, a ladder truck? So a few years back in 2018, 2019 timeframe, we did get a safer grant to allow us with the goal of having four on a ladder truck, uh, staffing five and running four. So our, our first priority, um, and our, I read a chief's intent a few years back, our first priority is to keep four on the ladder trucks first, and then with additional staffing, fill out four on those engines. We never go below three on any unit. Three is our minimum, um, but four is something that we strive towards. So there is a difference in the fact that we, we've attempted to keep four on the ladder first when possible. Are those the, the same types of personnel, or is there a distinction between a firefighter that can uh, run calls on a ladder versus a, an engine? All of our personnel are trained on both apparatus. Um, we do, we kind of move toward the culture of going to the ladder truck is uh, traditionally a skill for somebody a little bit more advanced, somebody has a few years in, in the service, just because it's a different, it's a different thing. They're not pulling hose to fight fire, they're typically ventilating, securing utilities, searching, looking for victims. And again, all of our firefighters are trained on all of those things, but that ladder is somewhat of a specialty that people gravitate towards and, and work towards. Curious if there would be an opportunity to house one of those reserve ladders uh, more in central Mount Pleasant, like the, the six mile station. Does it have the, the capacity to, to house a ladder truck? Yeah, house and staff a, a ladder truck? Um, to house it, we do have, uh, I do believe it would fit. In that current station in District 4, we have a squad that runs out of there, our second squad, uh, our rescue truck, which is also a pumper, and then a battalion chief. Uh, we do keep reserve units there uh, at times. I do believe the ladder would fit behind the squad, so to keep it more centrally. But as far as staffing, um, I'm assuming you're saying like three on a daily basis or three ladder trucks. We don't we don't have the staffing for to, to run an additional third ladder truck. Gotcha. And then I uh, wanted to jump back um, to the fact that we have our own um, uh, training academy here in Mount Pleasant, which yes, I think is, is fantastic. Um, in that you're able to train people to our actual department's culture versus sort of a blanket statewide model uh, in Columbia. Uh, curious where we stand uh, in terms of any vacancies within the department. Sure. Uh, I believe we're at, considering the recruit school, um, I believe we're at six vacancies currently. Um, we lost two during the recruit process. We were at 15, and then we've had a few resignations in the past couple of months. Uh, so we're at six vacancies right now. And then the uh, the next training academy will, will take place next year, I, I presume? Uh, typically what we've done in the last few years, um, around the March, April time frame, we start putting out our applications. And then, as you're aware, it's a, it's a long process to become a firefighter, which we want the best people. We want, you know, they have to go through the polygraph, the drug screen, the physical agility test. So it takes some time. So March or April time frame, we'll put out those. Uh, applications, May, June, we start the interview process, and then usually July, August is when we're working toward all that testing that they have to go through. So we're probably looking at a, a September class again. 
Great. And that final comment, I appreciate um, the data with the automatic aid. I think it shows that, that we are a good neighbor with That's our right. surrounding departments. Yes. It's not a, a one-sided uh, relationship. So I appreciate that data and appreciate everything that, yeah, that you do. Thank you. Thank you, sir. Mr. Chairman, do you have anything else, sir? Uh, Chief, thank you very much for that update. And I really appreciate everything you and all your men and women do. Takes us number seven. That's to adjourn. Thank you. We are adjourned. Yes, sir. Hold time. As of right now. <laughs> I'm going to go to the doctor. I'm going to go to the doctor.